I just want to welcome any of you who are guests with us today. We want to thank you for being here and let you know that right in front of you, you'll see a card called a connection card. That's just for us to be able to connect with you. If you have any questions about our church, take a few moments and fill that out. You'll notice as you head out the, the sanctuary this morning, there's a box there. And uh, don't worry, that box is for offerings, but it's also for these cards. So if you are a guest, we'd like you to fill this out. We'd like to be able to connect with you. And on the back, of course, if you have a praise report or a prayer request, take some time to fill that out and drop it in the offering box. We would love to praise God with you. If God is doing something great or God has done something great, just like we heard last week, we heard several testimonies of what God is doing in people's lives. And we'd like to know that so we can praise God with you, so we can thank God for that. But also, if you have a need, we don't want you to suffer alone with that need. We want you to write it down here so that we have to come together on Thursday nights and we pray over these things and we pray over the things that you're going through. So if it's a whatever that need is, if it's a if you pray for salvation for someone, write it down. We want to pray with you. We want to believe with you. And we want to honor God with our prayers and, and truly see God at work to do even greater things. I also want to let you know, just you may have saw in the announcements, that February 19th, we're going to do a baptism service. We have at least two that are going to be baptized. If you've never been baptized and would like to be baptized, and you haven't been baptized, and you, and you need to be baptized, because you should be baptized, fill out the card and write, I want to be part of the baptism. And we want to be sure that we can do that for you. That's our way of uh, really coming into the kingdom. So it's our sign to everybody else that God is doing an inner work in us. And uh, if you want to be baptized, we have two on the list right now. Uh, or if you know somebody who wants to be baptized, make sure they know. February 19th is going to be some time we set aside together. It's Sunday morning, so we're going to celebrate together with those baptisms. Just in case you haven't been baptized, you need to be baptized. You want to be baptized. Okay. Baptize you. <laughs> did, I know, did I mention that there's going to be a baptism on February 19th? We won. <laughs> With water, fully immersed under the water. Anyway, uh, we have been praying Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21 over our church. Week after week, we've come together, we've closed with this prayer. I've asked you in your personal life to be praying this over your personal life, over your family, over our church. And this is a powerful prayer that Paul is preaching, or actually praying, over the Ephesian church. And I believe it's a prayer that just God really highlighted it for me, coming into January for our church praying over this particular prayer for us. And uh, it's that prayer of infinitely more. You know, that infinitely more that some, I think sometimes we have a hard time getting our hands around. And it's, it is difficult to get our hands around what that looks like. But we are believing God for infinitely more in 2023. And we are praying that God will bless us, will bless our church, will bless our lives, our homes, our families. And I'm not saying this in the same sense that you know, where we're naming it and claiming it, where we're giving something maybe just to get. Maybe if you send in your $100 gift, we'll send you some miracle water, and anything you pray to put that miracle water over is going to happen. That's not, you know, that's not what I'm talking about here when we talk about our prayers. That's not it at all. In fact, James, the brother of Jesus, gave us a warning about our prayers and how we should pray. James chapter 4, verses 2 through 3, says, you... You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. So you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God. 
And even when you do ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. So we are a church that believes that God does answer prayers. There's no doubt in my mind some of you are living testimonies that God answers prayer. I, my life is a living testimony that God answers prayer. Our motives, though, play a big role in our prayer lives. What are our motives when we ask for certain things from God? What are our motives when we ask for more? We say, I want more of this, I want more of that. And the intent of this series is not to say we need to be selfish and we need to ask for more, more, more. But the intent of this is to say that we believe that God has infinitely more for us. And there are certain things that he asks of us along the way. But we don't give to get, we give because we receive. We give because God gave. And I am believing God for more blessings. And that's the message today. More blessings. More blessings. How many of you would like more blessings in your life? I don't think any of us would not raise our hand. And if you didn't raise your hand, you're a liar. So you're about to repent afterwards. More blessings. How many of us want more of God's favor? More of God's protection over our lives, for your family? See, I'm not one that spends many Sundays harping about giving. This is a very giving church. And my family has been very blessed by so many of you. But if we are saying that we're praying for more blessings for you, there are things that we can do to open the door to those blessings in our lives. And I'm really basing much of this message off of a great teaching by a pastor named Robert Morris from Texas. Gateway Church in Texas. He, uh, he wrote two books on really blessing and giving. And I would recommend these books to you without hesitation if you're interested in reading some more. One book called The Blessed Life and the next book called Living Beyond the Blessed. He has some of the best and most balanced teaching about being blessed that I've ever read. Very balanced in what he's speaking. If you want to live a blessed life, there are some things that we will need to understand the first thing is that it takes two feet. It takes two feet to be blessed. It takes generosity, and it takes stewardship. See, because the life walks on two feet, we generally we walk with our two feet. We're going places. Left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot. But sometimes, one foot can get a little heavy around the ankle. We can be tied down by a weight around that ankle on one of our feet. We find ourselves dragging or being held back, or maybe even just going in a circle because of the weight on our one foot. The weight's holding you back. It's holding you back from everything that God has for you. And it may even be keeping you from blessing. It's certainly holding you back from moving freely. Not able to get around like you could before. That's what it's like if you're generous, but you're not a good manager. You're a good biblical term, a steward. You're being held back from all that God has for you. It's the same idea if you're a good manager, you're a good steward, but you're not generous. You're a good steward, but you keep it for yourself. Now let me explain this morning. It takes two feet to live a blessed life. It takes generosity, and it takes good stewardship. Now if you are a good steward, but you're not generous, why would the Lord want to bless you? 
See, God's objective is blessing people to get his resources to people who need them. So if he blesses this person, he never gives it away. He never blesses anyone. Then why would God bless him? And if you're generous, very generous, but you're not a good steward, in the same way, God may bless that person because they're generous. But he really can't bless that person the way that he wants to bless them. going to manage it well. A whole lot of it is going to go out of his or her hands and not even know where it went. It's gone. So it takes two feet. Stewardship and managing your money well. And it takes generosity. So when we look at scripture, we see that anywhere we read, we understand that God owns it all. And when you think about God, he has all the resources in the entire world and even out of this world. You see, he owns Mars, and he's going to get there far before Elon Musk does. Actually, he is already there. Far before Elon Musk gets there. He's there. So God has all the resources here. And over here, you have all the people that have need. All the people that need some of those resources. Maybe the people that can't quite make ends meet, the people who need help are physically disabled, so they're not able to maybe work and make as much as they would like to. Some that may not have the ability to get a better job, or maybe their economy in their particular country is not a very good economy, so they're unable to make what they need. Some of them are missionaries, they have needs. Missionaries to be sent, churches to be built. Maybe some of them are a pastor that needs help for a down payment on a house. We have all these needs over here. And over here, you have the resources. Now, maybe you've never thought about it quite like this. Who do you think's in the middle of the need and the resources? You. I am. I can hold my hands out because I'm in the middle. If you hold your hands out like this, go ahead and do it. Put your hands out. Don't, don't whack anybody. Who's in the middle? God blesses people through you. God blesses people through you. He channels his resources. He funnels his resources through people. Now, as much as I wish that I could just go home and suddenly money would be raining down on our home, or I found find a bag of cash that God just put there, he uses people to bring those resources to meet the need. But God is looking for two things. We want to live a life that's blessed. If we want more of a blessing, he's looking for two things, a generous person, and he's looking for a good steward. He's looking for a good manager of those resources. Because we know when we give, God blesses us. There's no doubt in my mind that you can't outdo that. He wants to encourage you as you give to give more. And when you get your finances in order, when you're able to steward those things, then guess what that opens up? So why talk about money? Am I trying to get your money? I don't preach on money very often here in our church. And I don't preach it to get money. That's not my goal. I preach on money to help you live a blessed life. That's it. So Jesus preached on money 16 of 38 parables. So one third of the parables of 
Why did Jesus preach about money? Is it because he needed it? treasure there, your heart will be there. If you invest in a stock, what do you usually do? You, you're going online quite often to see how that stock's doing, at least daily. Maybe a couple times a day. If I love mutual funds, buy a particular stock that you're, you're checking out. But before you bought that stock, you never cared about that stock at all. You never checked it one day in your life. Why? Because some of your heart went there with that stock. And that's not a bad thing. We're, we're supposed to invest. We're supposed to Invest in things on this earth and be a good steward and manager of our money, right? We hear that the, the servants that were given a certain amount and then they came back with even more. And the one that came back with the same amount, he said, You're a good servant, right? If you want your heart in the kingdom, you put your treasure there. Acts 20 35, this is Paul speaking. This is Paul speaking. He says, And I have been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. So why does God bless us? What's the point of more blessing? It's not just for us to have more stuff. Genesis 12, 1-3 says, The Lord said to Abraham, Leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. We are blessed to be a blessing. That's the whole purpose of I remember a, a man named Jabez. I know there's a book not that long ago. It was very popular, but very famous. I don't know if you read it. I've read many times in my library. It's one I consistently read. Jabez was a man that asked God for blessing. He prayed for blessing. He prayed a simple prayer, similar to what we're praying about Jesus. It says in First Chronicles four nine through ten. So there was a man named Jabez who was more honorable than any of his brothers. His mother named him Jabez because of his birth. His birth had been so painful. He was the one who prayed to God. He was the one who prayed to God of Israel. Oh, that you would bless me and expand my territory. Oh, that you would bless me and expand my territory. Please be with me in all that I do. And keep me from all trouble and pain. And here's the key. And God granted his request. Saying, God, bless me. Expand my territory. Be with me. 
And he didn't want to just bless him so that he would have more stuff. He blessed him to be a blessing to others. He blessed him to keep him from trouble. He granted his requests. He asked God for it, and God gave it to him. It's wrong to ask God to bless you. Why would he grant the request that you ask? It's not wrong to ask God to bless you. But you are asking God to bless you so that you can be a blessing. Asking God so that I can be a blessing. See, the devil has convinced many of us that if we are asked for blessing, that is materialism. This the devil has convinced us that if we ask for blessing, that that's materialism. And it's not wrong to ask God for blessing so that you can be a blessing to others. In order to be generous and a good steward, <coughs> take advantage of the opportunities that God has given you to be able to bless someone else. You'll have to manage your money in such a way that you can pay the bills. If you have one, don't let me get out of debt. So that you can give joyfully. So you can give without comments. This is so important because I believe that every one of you wants to be generous. And there's anyone in this room who would say, I want to keep that for myself. And then you need to say, I can't. I can't be generous. I want to be generous. I can't. I have all this debt. I have these bills. I can't. If you learn what scripture says about managing your money, you can have more than you need. And when opportunities come to bless someone, you can be a blessing. What holds us back from more blessing? Sometimes it's temptation, or we even call it. Wanting more than what we have. We can all be guilty of this. There's things that I see other people a new guitar, a new drum set, whatever it may be, it may be different for you. But Genesis 3.1 reminds us of one of the enemy's tactics over and over and over again. And that tactic is this, questioning what God said. Has God said? The enemy becomes between you and the blessing by casting doubt on the word of God. Tithing is one area that is completely clear in God's word. That we open ourselves to a curse when we don't tithe. God doesn't curse us. But we open ourselves to curse when we don't tithe. It's amazing how people and even leaders will say, oh, we won't be cursed. It's amazing to me that they contradict the word of God. It's doing the exact same thing. something else to make her happy. Think about what was the first open sin 
first open sin is they took what belonged to God. God said you could take from anything else in this garden except for one thing. And that's the one thing that they took. See, God did this to test us. Will we believe? Will we live by faith? When he tells us to do something, Every two weeks or so, or every week, maybe every month, however you get paid, there's a test. You take a test. Who are you going to thank? Who are you going to honor? Will you believe that 90% will go further with God's blessing than without? That's the test that we take. Are you going to live your life by faith? In the tithe, God, God represents a tithe through the firstborn, the firstborn and the first fruits. Exodus 13:1 said, tells us to dedicate the firstborn. It is mine. It belongs to me. Exodus 23:19 says, bring the very best of your harvest. Now notice this: that when it comes to the tithe, the Bible doesn't use the word "give" your tithe. It never uses the word "give." It uses the word "bring." Here's the reason: because uses the word bring because you can't give what doesn't belong to you. You can't give what doesn't belong to you. Just a, several months ago, I shared with you about a former student that I had in youth group back in Worcester. He's got really part of the software company in Worcester that was um, got there on the ground floor after I graduated from college and went to Liberty University. And uh, that company recently sold Sum of money, and he wanted to tie that to four different places. And I remember I had this conversation with uh, going back and forth and said he wanted to tie to our church, to our heritage. I haven't spoken with him in, t- in almost 12 years, probably. And he's texted me out of the blue. One of the things I'll never forget about what he said when I talked about how much of a blessing it was, it was ended up being $20,000, but how much of a blessing it was. He said, it's not my money. It's God's money. It's not my money. You can't keep it. You've got to give it. And you have that kind of a heart. He understands what living a blessed life is. He understands wanting more blessing. He doesn't want to keep what doesn't belong to him. See, right after Adam and Eve took what was not theirs, you have the story of Cain and Abel. Cain brought an offering. Notice it wasn't his first fruits. It wasn't the best offering. He brought an offering. And Abel brought the first one of his flock. God accepted Abel's, but not Cain's. Cain was angry. God said to him, why are you angry? If you do not do well, sin lies at the door. And his desire is for you, and you should rule over it. So the first sin is that you take what belongs to God. You see something you want, barbecue grill, maybe a house, maybe a car. And you take what belongs to God to pay for it. You steal it and you buy something with it. You buy it, you lease it, you charge it. Leviticus 27.30 says, One-tenth of the produce of this land 
whether grain from the fields or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord and must be set apart to him as holy. So what holds us back from these more blessings? Temptation and also unbelief. Unbelief. Would a person not tithe? Why would a person not tithe when the Bible is so clear in this? The principle is all throughout Scripture. God said to bring all the silver and gold. He's speaking to Joshua. He said, bring all the silver and gold from Jericho. You might remember Jericho. Joshua fought the battle of Jericho. And the walls came tumbling down. Okay, we know the song. Okay, good. Why did God require that all the silver and gold be brought to the house of the Lord? Simple. Jericho was the first city they conquered. It was the first fruits of what God was about to do in the temple. Joshua 6, 19 says they had been set apart. They had been consecrated for the Lord. And Joshua 7, 11 says Israel has sinned talked about Israel's sins. They took some of the cursed things that they were supposed to destroy, and they stole them. Therefore, the children of Israel could not stand against their enemies. It was an open door. They were doomed to destruction. He wanted to bless them, but they stole them. God wants to bless you, but he can't bless a thief. You see, we are most like God when we give. God so loved the world that he gave. He gave. And we're most like Satan when we steal. He came to kill, to steal, and to destroy. Malachi 3, 7 through 10 says, Ever since the days of your ancestors, you have scorned my decrees and failed to obey them. Now return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. But you ask, how can we return when we have never gone away? Should people cheat God? Yet you have cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? You have cheated me of the tithes and offerings due to me. You are under a curse, for the whole nation has been cheating me. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, so that there will be enough food in my temple. So that storehouse, so there's enough food in the temple, is where you're fed. Fed spiritually. The ties come into that storehouse. And it says this in, in the next section. It says, if you do, this is one of those if-then statements throughout all the scripture. That if you do one thing, God will do this thing. If you do, says the Lord of Heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. And I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Start off the message saying, how many of you want more blessing? I'm one of them. Try me. Put me to the test. If you do this, says, I will open the windows of heaven for you. This is God speaking. This is not Pastor John speaking. I don't have any windows that I can open up over you. I don't have any cash to give to you. Malachi talks, though, about returning to God. Returning to God. In what way should we return? He said, you've cheated me. You, you saved. He says that we, we brought them. This is a spiritual principle that we need to learn. If we want 
test me now and see if he will not open the windows of heaven and pour out from you such a blessing that you're not able to receive it. Do you want that kind of a blessing? In other verses will say, and I will close the door of Satan's attack in your life, or I will rebuke the devourer for your name's sake. I did not use these words. God said that you cheated me. You took what belonged to me in your right personal son. Now this morning, if we want one blessing, one of the things that I do not want is for any of you to be cursed. But we need to bring Salvation is not based on what we do or do not do. Blessings have no such limitation. Over and over again, we see blessings tied with obedience. Salvation through faith alone, yes, you're saved. But blessings are not guaranteed. Particularly when we disobey what God's word says. And I can 
can say it this way, all blessings are an act of grace because I don't deserve anything that I'm blessed with. It's an act of grace. And I'm blessed far beyond what I deserve. And I've been there. I've not been perfect in all my ways and my times. I can look back at my history as imperfect. <laughs> I've struggled.